Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the middle of August. I am Liz Loza. I'm joined by Dalton Del Don, and this is the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for episode two. Dalton, let's get right into it. Jalen Ramsey is not sold on your quarterback, my fantasy crush, Jimmy G. He said that Jimmy G is, quote, all schemes in a GQ article that was just released. What are your thoughts on that? Well, that article is a must-read for anyone who hasn't. It's great. Talk about some truth bombs. But first of all, let's be clear. He was trying to make a greater point about Matt Ryan, who he claims was sorry last year after winning MVP. So he's saying Kyle Shanahan, you know, he left the Atlanta system. Then he joined San Francisco. So he, he may be part of the reason my guy Jimmy G blew up at the end of last year. But hey, in fantasy terms, does it even matter if it's scheme or the player? Uh, it might actually be both. It might be both the, the ski, a great scheme and a, a budding star. So I, I, honestly, I just thought it was great. And there were so many awesome quotes. And, and, and that's an absolute must read. I totally agree with you. And I love a player that is not doing the robotic Peyton Manning, Russell Wilson must repeat what publicist has told me to say. You know, we all we all beg for authenticity and then we get it and people go nuts. But honestly, I'm digging a lot of what Jalen Ramsey said because, hello, he said that my boy Tyrod Taylor, who I have been pounding the table for since the spring, was, quote, underrated. And he even comped him to Marcus Mariota, who's been a hype bunny since his days in Oregon. So it made me feel better about ranking Tyrod QB 17 overall, unlike the rest of you cowards who have him much lower. Yeah, I also thought it was funny that he essentially credited Big Ben's entire career to Antonio Brown. So uh, there are definitely some hot takes there. And obviously, I'm going to disagree with his Jimmy G assessment. But but it is also nice some confirmation bias. So I hear you. He definitely did have some positive things to say, like underrated players like Tyrod. Yeah, I dug it. I dug it. But we are going to dig into all things fantasy, maybe not as harshly as Jalen did in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you about the launch of two new pods First up, the Yahoo Sports College podcast, Go Badgers, featuring Dan Wetzel and Pat Forty and Pete Thamel. That one keep an eye out for. Also, the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast, which features Therese Paler and Charles Robinson. And their first guest 
is Cowboys receiver and burgeoning rapper Cole Beasley. Both podcasts debut on Wednesday and can be found on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download podcasts. And while you're there, check out the Yahoo Sports MLB podcast because that is the OG of the Yahoo Sports Podcast Network. All right, Dalton. Do you, do you have any cold-pressed coffee nearby? Or are you more of a tea guy? What's your morning beverage of choice? You know, it's really unhealthy for me. I'm trying to kick it, but uh, Red Bull is what is. I mean, it's, I know it's awful, like blueberry. It's so sugary and just terrible for me. But, if I, yeah, I'll, I'll have a, a coffee. My wife really likes it. I go to Starbucks, I'll pick one up. But, um, yeah, you do need caffeine in the morning one way or the other. But I know that's just so bad and so unhealthy. What, what, what should be my alternative, Liz? Well, I like to drink green tea. Um, but you you and I both have two kids uh, at five and under. Our yes. kids are the same age. So I understand the need for caffeine. And especially in August when news is breaking like crazy, we've got to stay alert. So Dalton, if I may recommend an alternative to the super sugary Red Bull, which is not Red Bull sugar-free because that just messes with my tummy. Have you tried a highball? Do you know what these are? Um, only the alcohol variety. Uh, what is this other other alternative? I, I love that answer. Um, so a highball is like a super caffeinated LaCroix. Zero sugar, not much taste, but you get the bubbles and it keeps you super alert as news is constantly breaking. You want to try one out? Uh, yes, that sounds good. All right, next time I see you, I'm going to bring a bunch and then we're just going to get wild on highballs. It's going to be nuts. Um, something that was also nuts and not in a good way, Darius Geis. Oh, Darius Geis lost for the season. He hurt his knee in the preseason opener against the New England Patriots. Everyone just thought it was a little a little strain, nothing too huge. In fact, there was a clip of Darius Geis in the locker room saying all is well, but it is not. ACL tear out for the season. You know how high I was on him. If you could, how are you feeling about this situation? Like, What, what are your thoughts here? I just think it's a horrible situation. Uh, he was emerging as clearly the second uh, rookie to go after after Barkley. I mean, just there was once a debate, you know, between Penny or him. But to me, that had just that was no longer such the case. So, and it's also doubly bad because there just isn't an option behind him worth worth grabbing. Some AJP Ryan, fine, move him up. His ADP will rise. Rob Kelly, Chris Thompson, I, I would find fairly interesting, but I still worry about you know the recovery from that knee surgery. So just bad news all around. A real bummer. Uh, guys, I would have been aggressive with I was fine to draft him as early as early third late second and now obviously with no alternative uh it just sucks it absolutely does I paid 28 dollars for him in our high stakes so oh, auction yeah auction really? league that one that one hurt a ton and I just liked his story I mean it, he's such an ascendant character and so that's a bummer but is there a rookie that you're hyping in his stead now is there a different bandwagon you've jumped on you know, actually, the more I looked into it, before even the penny injury, which we'll get to uh, yesterday, I moved Carrion Johnson above, yes. above Penny, above Sony Michelle, above Ronald Jones. I just thought of the alternatives behind those other guys like Jones. They're Peyton Barber, uh, Chris Carson, uh, Rex Burkhead. I'm ranking all those guys far more than I am a 31-year-old blunt, who, who that's the big competition. Yes, Theo Riddick will get his catches, but Carrion Johnson, his draft cap, he was early second rounder. His burst score was super high he's really getting uh, you know all the hype by the coaches he had the big run in the preseason game so he's my guy the more I look into it I'm not a big college guy you know so I'm kind of learning about these backs um, you know, later on than, than other guys who are really into college and carry on Johnson's a guy that really stuck out lately guy creeping up my draft rankings stay calm and carry on I agree with you a hundred percent 
patience, patience, burst, vision. He's an awesome pass catcher. His pad level definitely needs some improvement because he runs pretty high, and we know how that can invite contact. But what I saw in the preseason, and yes, it's just the preseason, but when you mention the circumstances and who's behind him, I 100% agree. I was not expecting to see two stiff arms and a spin move on top of it. You and I are on the same bandwagon, all aboard Choo Choo. Um, you mentioned Rashad Penny. Now, this was a guy that our colleague Brad Evans was super, super high on. It was refusing to acknowledge the Chris, Ky- Chris Carson hype coming out of camp, but it's almost as if these circumstances have, have now forced us to cool on Rashad Penny as much as some of us may not have wanted to. NFL Network's Ian Rappaport reported that Rashad Penny will undergo surgery for a broken finger and is expected out three to four weeks, which obviously puts his availability for week one of the regular season at jeopardy. Dalton, what did you do with Penny in your ranks and what did you do with Carson in your ranks? Yeah, I was already creeping them closer together as is, but now I move Penny officially below Carson. Penny I have, I think, 35th, Carson around 30th now. Listen, it's clear to me now that Seattle just really, they they dealt with so many injuries last year at the running back position. They wanted to make sure they addressed the position. So yes, they went early with Penny, but that was also a look at the future. And Carson, sometimes it's not just coach speak, even if they are wrong. Pete Carroll loved Carson. He was clearly going to start the year in that starter's role. Now it's a guarantee. So I move Carson ahead of Penny. And normally I'm the kind of guy thinking more long-term. Like I have Aaron Jones comfortably ahead of Jamal Williams. But in this case, uh, it's, it's it's not that way. I agree with you. I moved them much closer together. In fact, I have Penny down to RB36 and Carson at RB34. So there's basically just one back separating them. But I 100% agree. And I think, frankly, that Seattle was just surprised. They weren't sure back in April when they traded up to get Penny whether or not Carson was going to be healthy. Carson was a seventh-round flyer for them. So why not lean on a back that's a surprise and lean into that value. We preach it in fantasy all the time and ensure your higher draft capital option while you can. And now that the injury has happened, there's no need to get the kid hurt. Run the, run the cheaper option until it's no longer an option. Yeah, I will say the under the hood stats, uh, there's like yards created that aren't blocked. Like Carson actually didn't separate himself from Mike Davis last year, and he doesn't have some high draft pedigree. So I might be wrong. And Penny has these crazy numbers that the you know the the metrics say he could be a future star. But missing all this this time, you know, you know learning the blocking scheme, it's really going to be be tough for him to make an impact early on in the season. Especially when he has struggled in pass protection coming out of college. That was a knock against him. And they've got a quarterback that was sacked 43 times last season. I know that Mike Solari is the new offensive, uh, I'm sorry, O-line coach. And DJ Fluker is there. But uh, come on, that's not enough to make me feel super confident. So I agree. We both have Carson now ahead of Rashad Penny. We'll definitely keep an eye on the situation as it develops. But I want to get to more rookies because... The preseason openers across the league featured a lot of ascendant talents, and our colleagues Brad Evans and Matt Harmon are going to discuss those now. All right, boys and girls, Brad Evans here alongside Matthew Harmon, and we're going to spin forward some of these standout rookie performances from week one of the preseason. We're calling it the most promising preseason performances. Do not say that five times fast. And, you know, some of these guys really stood out to me, just kind of jumped off the screen, not named Saquon Barkley. And we're not going to belabor Saquon. If you're not drafting him in round one, you're in a league of idiots. 
basically is the mm-hmm. bottom line. But I want to, you know, I want to hearken back to Adrian Peterson and the first time that I saw him tote the rock in an NFL game, and it was in the preseason, you know, several years ago. And man, he exploded, and he was shredding tacklers. He was like a rolling boulder for Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark of the open field, and nobody could contain him. And I said, "There's something different about this cat." And I got that sense with some of these initial performances. It might be a bit hyperbolic, but still it's encouraging signs for some guys whose ADPs are still at a discount. So we're going to list our top five, again, most promising preseason performances. Peter Piper picked a bunch of peppers. Uh, and let's start with number one, Matt, and get your thoughts on him. Carry on Johnson. 3.3 yards after contact per attempt. Handful of touches. Uh, he was fluid. He was shifty. Uh, he had nice burst, whether it was after the catch, between the tackles. He was doing it all for the Detroit Lions. It was Warren Sharp has pointed out. This has been the most inefficient backfield in the NFL the last five years running. Have Matt Patricia and company, has his organization found the solution with a rookie out of Auburn? Your thoughts? Yeah, carry on Johnson is a really good one to start off with. Um, and, and I'll just kind of double back to what you were mentioning about like a guy that you see in preseason that you know they just kind of look the part or they really jump off the screen you know I I always say this with it especially with the running back position like the eye test can be very very deceiving um and in preseason even more so you know one of my favorite stories to tell is uh, a couple of years ago when Derrick Henry was a rookie uh my old former colleague from NFL.com and he's now with EA Sports uh Matt Franciscovich and I were we went to a Dave Matthews band concert got back to the hotel room down there at Irvine, and uh, we turned on the preseason film of uh, you know a couple couple of cool guys like us, you know, watching preseason <laughs> games after a concert. Right. <laughs> uh, we, yeah, we we started watching uh, the Titans versus the Raiders, and Derrick Henry just looked like a god on the field uh, among these you know these third string Raider defenders. And obviously, this is a team carry on Johnson face too. And and the reason I think this ties together is. When I'm looking at these preseason games, not only do I want to see these guys like shine on the field, I want them to be kind of accentuating a drumbeat that we've heard throughout all offseason, mm. you yep. know, kind of putting that finishing touch on a story. And why I do think that's interesting with on Johnson is the Lions have told us with this new coaching staff, you know, they're now in line with the front office, a bunch of former Patriots here together. They have pretty much said that they want to be more of a hard-nosed run-first team. Our yep. colleague, Therese Paler, wrote a good piece about this. So I like seeing what I saw from on Johnson. Uh, the only trouble I have with him, I have him at – I don't know about you, Brad. I have him at RB29 in a tier with a lot of – a couple of these other guys that we're going to talk about today too, uh, your boy Royce Freeman. And the reason I, I, I'm a little hesitant to keep pushing him up is just that I, I'm concerned about the pass game and the goal line work with two proven guys there. But this was a good first start with him. Well, I think he could work in conjunction uh, symbiotically with Theo Riddick at the same time. I think they can coexist on the field with Riddick operating at the slot, carry on as a single back in several formations, and then you know flaring him out on certain routes. I think they can get creative with carry on Johnson. So I, I've got him as my RB 23. I moved him up five spots. I'm buying into it. Hook line and sinker. I do worry about like blunt resting away goal line opportunities as a primary red zone back. And yes, Liz Loza, Laguerre Blunt's making this team. I hate to break it to you. Oh, for sure. He uh, for sure is. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about it. But carry on a guy. has got a legitimate three down skill set. You tell me if this is crazy or accurate my fearless forecast for carry on this season 1067 total yards 43 catches five total touchdowns 
Oh, I think that's within the range of outcomes for sure, and probably not the most aggressive. Uh, you know, I do think Detroit is probably still going to lean towards the pass, even if they want to be more of a run-first team. It's just where their stronger personnel is. But, you know, the reason I like Carryon Johnson is because when you look at him in conjunction with all these other rookies, you know, Royce Freeman, uh, Rashad Penny, Ronald Jones, he's the cheapest among these guys. And I think he has just as much of a shot to be the not maybe not feature back there, but the clear one A in the backfield of all these guys. So I don't think that's crazy. And he is definitely a guy that I don't mind getting as my third or fourth running back. ADP currently, according to MFL 10 drafts that have been conducted over the last like 48 hours, uh, it's a you know, decent sample size of 70 drafts, 72.1 for carry on. Still very affordable at that price point. All right, let's move on to another guy who I feel is very affordable. And I think you kind of tipped your hand here a little bit on Royce Freeman. Uh, really stood out, had a brilliant touchdown run where he got into the open field, excellent vision, and then had a nice little jump cut, shifted outside, and then took it to the house. Devontae Booker is just a jag. He's fantasy tofu uh, in my mind. Uh, not all that flavorful unless you douse it in hot sauce. Uh, and, you know, I think Royce right now at, at 56.1 and that ADP, that's RB25, still an extraordinary value, though you might disagree with my sentiment, don't you? Yeah, he's been a guy I've been slow to warm up to, but I do agree that this was exactly what you want to see out of the preseason. I'm I'm with you that Booker is a jag. Um, I, I've been, you know, again, I, I usually try to be pretty talent agnostic with the running back position, uh, and especially when it comes to these rookies, because I just don't necessarily believe that we're all that great projecting from college to the NFL, especially just off a simple eye test. And, and so much is based on situation and surrounding talent and how good the offense is going to be. So while I've been getting a little bit more bullish on the Broncos passing game, I think, you know, based on my own philosophy of how to project these positions, uh, that means I got to get a little more bullish on the on the Broncos backfield. So Freeman's definitely a guy that I'm not totally uh totally passing the peace pipe like you are here brad i'm I'm, I'm hitting that peace pipe hard actually (laughs) i'm definitely i'm definitely buying a little bit more so uh he i might be i'm not totally all all on board like you are but i might be coming around a little bit Uh, again the important stats uh though it was against pac-12 defenses uh in which uh i think a plotter like a tim hightower would probably average 150 combined yards per game against uh, number 11, an elusive rating, 3.39 yards after contact per attempt. He's got the body type, 6 feet even, 235 pounds. Uh, I think he is going to get 275 to 300 total touches this year behind an offensive line, according to Football Outsiders, which was number 9 in run-blocking efficiency. And again, a much healthier overall offensive environment, though the first-ring Broncos offense looked like it was stuck in mud and that preseason opener, yeah. so we'll have to wait and see. But Roy still, I think, a great value and a guy that I believe will be a top 15 running back this season. Let's transition to a different position. What about Baker Mayfield? Uh, he was brilliant, and largely with the twos. So, you know, he had a touchdown pass to David Njoku, over 200 yards, a couple of touchdowns, made no mistakes. Yeah, he was only 11 to 20, but he looked calm. He looked poised. He stepped up in the pocket, showed some mobility, and he had a strike. I think it was Antonio Callaway in which he rolled out. And threw it about yep. 25 yards downfield. Callaway made a nice, uh, you know, toe tap on the sideline. But, man, Baker was impressive. Yeah, and that was after really an impressive showing from Tyrod Taylor with the – or is it Tyrod Taylor now? Is that the, I don't is that, know. It's always going to be Tyrod. 
I know. Yeah, I feel bad. I don't want to mess up the guy's name, but he's let us get away with it this long. Exactly. What can we do? But anyway, <laughs> but I, you know, after he had a really impressive showing with kind of the first string group, uh, then Baker comes up and, and really shows well, you know, with the Callaways of the world. Richard Higgins is out there. You know, he's been a guy that apparently Baker's been connecting with all camp. Uh, David Njoku, you and I were talking before we got started here that he's kind of a guy that both of us are in on as a late round tight end, potentially being one of the few exciting guys. So it was great to see Baker out there. I mean, I'm really curious just how long do you think it's going to take until he kind of takes the starting job? Because I think Tyrod is set up to do well with this offense. Uh, But if Baker keeps, you know, rattling cages there with the second team i think it it could be sooner than later well let's see cleveland's first five games pittsburgh l even though it's at home at new orleans l they're gonna start off zero and two they didn't get the jets at oakland both uh games that are very winnable in my opinion and then baltimore another toss game at home and the chargers uh week six at home my prediction baker mayfield takes over against the chargers week six that's where I'm. Going have you been with. watching? Have you been watching Hard Knocks at all, Brad? Um, what uh, and Jarvis Landry's love affair with the F word? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, he, his draft stock increased exponentially because of his poeticism that he just kind of threw out there during that uh, that speech. Yeah, I, let me tell you, if that was me, that would like not be the thing I would respond to. Uh, but you know, personal <laughs> preference. Not because I have any problem with cursing. I just have. I, I yeah, just this is not the type of leader I would respond well to. But anyways, b- beyond that, like it definitely looks like watching the show. And I know this is kind of getting into anecdotes and how much can you really trust off hard knocks or whatever. But it does look like Tyrod is the leader of that team and that they're yep. all in on him kind of being the guy. So I don't know. I think Tyrod is a guy that if you're streaming quarterbacks, you can draft early. Uh, and then just don't get attached to him. You know, realize that you're probably going to be moving on because that's what streaming quarterbacks is all about. But I do think in some of those games, like against Pittsburgh, against New Orleans, he could put up some decent fantasy numbers. But, you know, I do think if Baker continues to show well, it's going to be tough to keep him off the bench. Uh, provided Josh Gordon is in uniform week one. I agree with everything you just oh, said. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think he will be. Uh, it's only a matter of time. All right, let's move on to player numero quattro here on our top five most promising preseason performances. DJ Moore, four catches, 74 yards, no touchdown, slippery. Steve Smith, tendencies pugnacious in the open field. Uh, people thought I had the hottest hot take in the history of hot takes on Twitter saying that Cam Newton uh, is my quarterback one overall. Well, what about this dude named Aaron Rodgers? Uh, what about the Deshaun Watson? Look, it's not that crazy it's not that outlandish considering he's what been top four and four the last seven years but a lot of it has to do with dj moore who i'm growing more and more on i I, he continues to climb up my ranks he's at wide receiver 49 where do you have the rookie out of maryland slotted yeah i mean come on people like people argue about anything on the internet that's like it's a it's a bold take i get it but like Come on. He's been he's been a good fantasy quarterback and like QB1 is not that far out of the range of outcomes for him especially cuz this skill position group I think is clearly the best that he's ever had as a passer uh here in the Cam Newton era. DJ Moore definitely a part of it. He's a guy, you know, I haven't been super bullish on. I have him pretty low at the wide receivers. Not because I don't like him. I I like him an awful lot. I have him at wide receiver 55 in kind of a tier alongside guys like John Brown, Devontae Parker, Kenny Galladay, Josh Doxson. All of these kind of late round, you know, swing for the fences sort of players. I I just don't know that I said this when we recorded our first podcast that with all of these guys projected to get pretty decent passing volume in Carolina, 
I haven't really been bullish on one at cost, but the good thing is, of course, more still super cheap. You know, uh, Chris Wessling, who's one of the, in my opinion, best football yes. evaluators out there, he, he gave the uh, Percy Harvin comparison for wow. DJ Moore. Wow, interesting. Which I, yeah, I thought that was interesting because, you know, checking out like his college reception perception, I thought he showed the ability to run routes, uh, you know, to get there. He still needs work. He's definitely raw in some particular areas, especially releasing off the line of scrimmage. But he's undeniably explosive with the ball in his hands. And that's why I did think like, hey, even if he doesn't develop into that that uh, full field route runner, that Percy Harvin comparison is pretty interesting. Yeah, Spark score in the 91st percentile, a 39-inch vertical leap and a 4-4-2 40-yard dash. Uh, he's definitely explosive. There's no question about that. I think he's going to do a lot of damage in the short field in the screen game, especially if Cam Newton is going to be under as much duress as you and I believe he could be. So that's something to consider there. Michael Gallup, uh, one catch, 30 yards. Pay dirt. Uh, defender quit on the route. I guess lost it in the sun. But he looked pretty good, and you got to watch him in person. I got to interview him about a month ago in Fort Worth. Uh, he was my second best wide receiver prospect in this year's draft. Love the route running ability. And I think uh, your eyes confirmed that. Did they not? Oh, yeah. I mean, and talk about another thing that people, a stupid take that people got mad at me for saying was when I, I quote tweeted the, the clip of him catching that long touchdown and said, like, this guy could easily lead the Cowboys in receiving, which is like the coldest take of all time. I mean, <laughs> That's a layup. Depth chart? Yeah. yeah, right. Like people are mad about that. It's like, well, does it even matter for fantasy? It's like, that's not my point. My point is just that he could lead the team in receiving. Uh, and, and he's super cheap. I really like Michael Gallup. Obviously, you did, too, if you had him that high in the draft. Um, going to training camp, definitely he, he's, he flashed there. I think it's real tough to, just as a side note, going to my first camp and watching practices. I don't know how anybody comes out of there with these super strong takes about how guys look at training camp. It's a tough environment to evaluate players. But going back to what he was in college, he was a guy who ran some solid routes, was really great on 50-50 balls, saw more contested targets than anybody I charted this year, and converted 80% of them. That's a really strong conversion rate on contested catches. That is his clear trump card ability. To me, he reminded me a lot of like a Michael Thomas light type of mm. player. Again, I don't, think he's, I don't think he's putting up Thomas numbers, obviously, in a Dallas pack, passing attack. But I do think he's a very – on that archetype of players, you know, Michael Crabtree, Richard Matthews, Michael Thomas, I think these are all very similar players – and if Gallup can continue this momentum, no doubt about it, he could he could be a starter. And I think that was the most important thing we saw from him in the preseason. He didn't catch, you know, that 30-yard touchdown from Cooper Rush or one of these goofballs on the Dallas roster. He caught it from Dak, Dak yeah. Prescott. He's going to be out there with the starters. Yeah, I really like him quite a bit. Again, 52% of the target share up for grabs. Gallup uh, could creep in that top 36 uh, wide receiver rank at some point this season. Quick thoughts on Jordan Wilkins. Is he winning the job over Marlon Mack? come week one i mean i thought he had a pretty good shot to do it anyways he was one of my favorite late round targets but now with marlon mack nursing a hamstring injury which is never good for a running back coming into the season uh i think wilkins is the favorite for the early down role we'll see what happens with naheem hines who had pretty much a disastrous preseason yeah. performance uh but i think wilkins is the odds-on favorite uh, among guys that are on the roster and he's definitely a great late round pick because again what's most important 
is this offense is going to be good. If Luck is back there, they're going to be in scoring position, and that's what you want to tether these running backs to is good offenses. So I, I love Wilkins as a late round. Oh, the brilliant mustachioed Andrew Luck. I'm with you there, and uh, I'm with you on Jordan Wilkins. Uh, he's been one of my favorites, 170.180p right now. You're still stealing him right now in average Yahoo drafts. Uh, and a player who is a violent downhill runner who's really found the seam extraordinarily well, according to the coaching staff, Tom Rathman, in particular, who's coaching the running back. So opportunity, uh, the door of opportunity has really swung open for the rookie out of Ole Miss, who was RB7 in yards after contact per attempt among all FBS running backs last season. Get him on your team. You will profit. Uh, and that is a wrap for us here in our edition of Most Promising Preseason Performances. Thanks to Matt Harmon. Loza, back to you. Pretty impressive that Brad and Matt both managed to watch each preseason opener without falling asleep even once. Were you able to do that, Dalton? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't watch a ton. Do you watch much preseason football? I watched a little bit. You know, I would say I watched about the first quarter uh, of most games. Well, every time I switched to the Niners, a player uh, on my favorite team was leaving in a stretcher, it seemed like. So it was just awful. The 49ers, man, injury after injury, just terrible. What is going on with the uh, strength and conditioning coach? Right, Ray Wright is your guy. And, you know, fun fact, he was the strength and conditioning coach in Washington previously. And if there is not, we talked about guys, but if there is not a franchise that's had bad luck with injuries, Washington certainly is. Yeah, yeah. Shanahan says it's football. You got to play. I'm just glad McKinnon didn't tear his knee. I'm, it's, he's officially George Brittle, not George Kittle right now. I got to. <laughs> Stole that one from my podcast uh, partner, Chris List. But, yeah, it's, 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 it's all these injuries. You know what? It's better to happen now than before, you know, after the season starts. But uh, it's tough, man. You, every time you hear that MRI, I, I didn't sleep well that night uh, before McKinnon's came back clean. Did you do anything with McKinnon in your ranks? I left him as RB12 mostly because I feel like he's going to see 60-plus catches this season yeah I, I left him exactly there the same I'm just hoping he does ret- you know the injury doesn't sound serious so I, I kept him exactly the same any thoughts on Alf returning yeah, to Danny's team yeah that's interesting you know he could factor in as a goal line guy there and it sounds like they're going to give him a legitimate shot to make the roster out of camp so I think he's actually a, a factor in, in deeper fantasy leagues as a stash guy right now Alpha I Mark. think he's insurance for Brita right yes for sure yeah I mean he, Brita's not going to return for the rest of the preseason it sounds like that shoulder injury so uh, absolutely insurance all right, so let's um, let's talk with our audience because they sent us tweets. They sent Matt Harmon tweets, actually, in a segment that we like to call at me. Usually we're saying don't at me, but in this situation, please at me. I'm going to kick it off with Moro Funswitz, if I pronounced that correctly. I hope I did. And his Twitter handle is at Moro Fun. He wants to know which players do you think are being drafted at their ceilings ADP-wise? Dalton, someone for you? Uh, the guy who jumped out to me here, it would be Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. I, I, I do like his floor because he's going to get a lot of targets, but I just don't see the ceiling there. I mean, even if C.J. Anderson were to get injured, Cam Newton's just the premier goal line guy there. McCaffrey, even if the coach thinks that he's going to get 35 touches a game, whatever absurd number he said is obviously unrealistic. So uh, I, don't, I don't think McCaffrey's a bust or anything. I actually think he's a relatively safe play, but as far as upside, where he's going, he's pretty much capped out. Well, you stole my guy. So um, <laughs> I'm going to move to Carson Wentz, I guess. I think he's being drafted way too high. He's the fifth quarterback going off of the boards ahead of guys like Cam Newton, Drew Brees, Kirk Cousins. That is bananas to me, especially when you consider that he is just a third-year player who was hurt late in his second-year run. John Filippo's not there, obviously. You don't have Frank Wright anymore, and those were two – 
uh, coordinators, coaches who were so influential in Wentz's ascendance. And, you know, even Doug Peterson said that he's noticed some hesitation in Carson Wentz's game, which you can't blame him. But the thing that made Wentz so special was his improvisational confidence. And now, after a hit like that, you have to imagine that he's going to be a little bit gun-shy. And also, you know, Alshon, the whole team is dinged up. Alshon Jeffrey could potentially start the season on the pup list. Nelson Aguilar's been out. Your best option right now, outside of Zach Ertz, is Matt Collins, who's frankly been not making plays to quote beat writers who've been keeping their eyes on camp. So placing Carson Wentz at number five overall is way too high in my estimation. Totally agree. It's tough to profit at his ADP, even if he were healthy. I mean, let alone the, the, the chance that he's actually questionable for week one where he's getting drafted, uh, it's tough to make a profit. All right, number two, Jason McFarland wants to know, and his Twitter handle is at GXRNV, who's your first pick, Bell or Gurley? I know we disagree on this one. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with either, but I, I have ranked uh, Gurley higher. Just as He's younger. I mean, Bell's sitting out again right now. It's just age and situation. I think Big Ben, is he's more reliant on Big Ben staying healthy, something I'm more worried about than the, the Ram situation. Sean McVay just loved the scheme there. Younger, the situation, uh, but really we're, we're splitting hairs here. I agree we're splitting hairs. I do have Le'Veon Bell ahead of Todd Gurley. You make a ton of valid points. Consistency ends up being king, which is why I placed him ahead. Um, I just don't th- – ultimately, I didn't make Todd Gurley – number two because I think Bell should be number one. I just don't think Todd Gurley is going to be number one again this season. Um, You've seen the addition of John Kelly, and let's not forget that this time last year, Lance Dunbar was supposed to be the pass-catching back, the Chris Thompson West, if you will, in Sean McVay's scheme, but he was hurt. And so I thought, I think Todd Gurley saw a lot more um, receiving targets than he was necessarily expected to see and I also think you know Gerald Jared Everett is one of these tight ends who I thought before this shoulder injury could develop a little more quickly and build on his his rookie season I'm not so I'm not quite sure about that now because he is missing reps and he is a younger player so I don't know if he's going to really affect Todd Gurley's goal line efficiency and and touchdown numbers, but I do think that it's something to keep an eye on. So mostly with Todd Gurley, I just feel like John Kelly is going to catch a lot more passes than we're expecting expecting him to. I will say if if you told me they they both will play 16 games, I would rank Bell higher. I, I just think he's more likely to get hurt. That's the only difference for me. That makes sense. All right. Next question, Mr. Magpie at Kareik Moss wants to know which team's third wide receivers have a good chance of becoming fantasy relevant this season. Is there a guy that's that's um, peeking out and saying, hey, draft me late to you? Well, so Cooper Cup just kind of jumped out at me, if that counts. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really is the number three. I mean, he's finished top 15 in yards per route run. But he mentions Mike Williams in this question. Does he count as a third receiver? Because I, I just gives me an excuse to talk about him. He's getting some hype. Is just clearly dominating in the red zone in practices. Obviously, no Hunter Henry. Keelan Allen, it wasn't that long ago that he was considered one of the absolute most injury-prone players in fantasy football. Tyrell Williams, a nice gadget player, really. But, man, on that, with their defense, they just are hurt more than anyone, it seems like, every year. So that on paper, it looks great. But when the injuries strike, maybe their defense won't be so great. So I just think Mike Williams is set up there in the Chargers. He could just could be a monster. I love that pick. I wrote about him in my All Upside Team article, which posted on Tuesday of this week. 
Um, you know, Mike Williams is technically listed as third on the depth chart. Not that that means a whole lot of everything or anything, but he is behind Allen and, and Williams. So maybe he sees fewer targets, except I think the number of high value targets that he's going to receive in the red area of the field are going to make it all worthwhile. I haven't projected to have a six to seven touchdown season. I think that's well within reach. So especially in standard scoring leagues, he is a great get. I also really like Kenny Galladay. I hyped him last year. We all know this, um, but he was hurt. And then as a rookie, missed reps, basically fell behind. If you look at Marvin Jones's volume when Galladay was on the field versus when he was off, it's a story of two different seasons, basically, for Jones. But as Galladay returned... He he, re, he. I mean, he flashed early in the season, and after he returned, he took away from Jones's volume. I think that Galladay has all of the talent necessary, and he's going to really feed at eat at the perimeter. One, one other deeper one I want to throw out there, who's probably going to creep up ADP here soon, is uh, Mike Wallace. I mean, Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, people are talking pup. Yeah. I mean, who knows? I mean, even if he does return, clearly he's more injured than, than fantasy owners would like to hear. Aguilar keeps mysteriously missing practice, so. Wallace, I mean, he's definitely a guy if you're looking for a, a deeper number three wide out on the depth chart. Well, he may not be the number three is the issue, right? right he right, may right, right. move right. up. For sure. For sure. Um, yeah. yeah, so the injuries, as we talked about earlier, in Philadelphia are certainly uh, – that is certainly a situation you want to keep an eye on. Let's do this last question because we haven't really talked much about Q, uh, much about tight ends here. John Fitch at John O. Fitch wants to know, um, when you're drafting – what are your thoughts on picking up second QBs and tight ends? So a QB2 and a, Q, a tight end two, basically as roster stashes for your starters. Do you like to do you like to fill your roster that way? Yeah, obviously kind of depends on the depth of your league, but really uh, more so quarterbacks for sure. I like to wait on the position and then wait a little longer and then draft a couple and just play matchups. For, for me, for sure, uh, not so much tight ends. Although the same can be said there, if you don't grab one of the top three, maybe you could just wait and grab a, a couple later. So I don't mind that strategy either. Dra- grab a Njoku or, or someone like that. So I actually can. I actually do advocate this strategy, uh, certainly at the quarterback position. What about yourself, Liz? I don't like to do it um, at all, actually, quarterbacks or tight ends, because this early in the season, I just want to stash as much as I can. I also don't play in a lot of leagues with deep um, benches. So I like to stash as many wide receivers and running backs as possible because you usually need to start more than one running back or wide receiver. And then when injuries start happening, the cascade occurs. So I, I don't mind streaming at quarterback or tight end if need be. I usually take a tight end late and move for a value play. This year, I'm leaning into Tyler Eifert's value even with um, the, you know, even with his injury history and the potential that he's not going to see 50 snaps a game. That's not really scaring me off because he is such a huge red zone pres- presence for that entire offense and nobody aside from A.J. Green has been, been able to compete with that. So I'll take him super late and uh, you know, if he gets hurt, Tyler Croft is there. I'll figure something else out. And as for the quarterback, I want a steady Eddie guy. I mean, Matt Stafford to me is someone who's completely undervalued. He's been a QB8 producer for three consecutive seasons. He just got Galladay healthy, as we mentioned a couple of seconds ago. Um, He now has improvements in the offensive line, the center that they drafted, Frank Ragnow, um, and also Kieran Johnson, who we talked about at the top of the show. I think all of those things will help to improve his efficiency. And so he, to me, is a guy that's being drafted late. You can grab later on in drafts, and I don't need to back him up. I'm confident enough he'll stay on the field. 
One thing I'd like to piggyback what you said, this time of year, definitely no need to roster kickers or defenses, and you should load up on, say, backup running backs with upside like you're alluding to. But but for me, uh, I absolutely love playing matchups with quarterbacks. I, I don't typically don't draft any in the top 10 or even 15, and then I grab two or three and just go week by week. I agree. I think that's good advice. And on top of good advice, we like to do good things. So this fantasy season, we're partnering with Big League Impact. It's a nonprofit founded by Cardinals pitcher Adam Wainwright. We're hoping to raise awareness for Big League Impact, the charities involved, and use fantasy football as a vehicle to give back to the communities we care about. You listeners can join leagues with MLB players like CeCe Sabathia, and so you know 100% of the league entry fees go towards charities supported by the players. CeCe spoke to us ahead of his Big League Impact event this Friday in New York, where he's hoping to provide 2,500 backpacks full of supplies for children whose parents can't afford back-to-school supplies. For more information on the event or to donate to Big League Impact, please visit bigleagueimpact.org. Now, CeCe, you might be an all-star pitcher for the New York Yankees in a 20-year career, but you're also really into fantasy football, apparently. So what drew drew you to fantasy football? How did you get involved? I don't know. We started, I think it was like a baseball thing. I always thought fantasy football was like a baseball thing. That was like... Our, our thing at the end of the year was had a big fantasy draft and, like, you know, get all the guys together and talk some trash and, and kind of hang out. I think I kind of got into fantasy because the Raiders were really bad because the first couple years I wasn't like – I was like, nah, I'm not doing fantasy. I can't root for other teams. And, you know, I can only root for the Raiders. I can only draft Raiders. And then when the Raiders started getting really bad, then I'm like, I need to watch football. So I just got into fantasy, and now I'm kind of like – I'm locked into it. One of the things I always like to ask guys is home team versus winning. I yeah, see, you know, now for me, like, if, when it comes to the money, I'll draft whoever. I don't, I don't care. Like, I'll draft uh, Broncos, Chargers, uh, Chiefs players. Like, I don't, I don't, it don't really matter. I won't draft 49ers, though. So, there, there, so uh, there's yeah, a there, there, there is a line. I won't draft any 49ers players. It doesn't matter who it is. I can't. One of the things that people always talk about is, oh, I, I, I messed up this pick, whatever like that. Let me flip it on you. What is a sleeper pick that you're most proud of in all your years of drafting? Who did you, who did you land oh, in the late round? Oh, Kareem Hunt. Boom. Last year. Yeah, last year. Um, earlier we were talking about a pick that, you know, that didn't work out for me. But it's not that a pick that, that it didn't work out. It was just a guy that I drafted every year and I had faith in it never worked out. It was Joseph Adai. Oh. He was on my fantasy team every year for like six years in a row, and it never worked out for me. All right, so then this year we'll talk about guys steals 2018 sleepers. Drafts are just around the corner. Who is CeCe Sabathia's sleeper of 2018? You know what? I haven't really looked yet, but I, I, I like rookie running backs. Mm-hmm. So I like young running backs. So I always take whoever. I mean, I'm going to try to get Saquon at some point. Um, I got the second pick in one of my, in one of my drafts, so um, I'm excited about that. Hopefully Le'Veon Bell gets out there so I can, so I can take him again. I've had him the last Three or four years on my team. And you've probably had some pretty and good I've, and I've And I've won three or four years, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, if, if, I, I guess this question doesn't involve you, but in the leagues that you run, what is the punishment in the CC Sabathia League for coming in last place? The, the league with the Yankees, we don't have any punishment uh, for coming in last. None of them, really. But we do have, like, if you redraft somebody. Okay. So, if you redraft somebody in the Yankees League, it's 1000 bucks. If you draft somebody that goes to jail, I think it's like 500 bucks. So if you draft a guy and he gets arrested during the season, it's like 500 bucks. So we have those kind of penalties. Nothing like if you come in last, though. Now, this is, you know, you're, you're going to do a fans football draft. You're raising some money. This is all part of Big League Impact. What brought you here? How are you working with them this year? Uh, actually, uh, through Adam Wainwright. 
Um, last year, uh, Matt Holiday was on our team, and, we, and I uh, signed up to do the, the fantasy draft with him. I had a blast and just thought that it would be so much fun to get my charity involved. And, um, and for, for me, fantasy football, I, I really love to be a part of the draft. That's what it is for me is, is, the, is the draft. So, you know, they, they do a good job of putting that on, and, and uh, we look to raise a lot of money and have a lot of fun. You go to bigleagueimpact.org to sign up uh, and play and, and uh, you know, learn more about uh, my charity and all the charities that uh, they, they do across the country and um, to sign up and maybe come out and uh, join up in this league and get your butt kicked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Football is back. It's time to draft your Yahoo Fantasy football team. There's no better day than National Draft Day on August 26th to get the league together. Sign up now and get your draft on at yahoo.com slash fantasy football. Well, that is incredible work that CC is doing. I believe that he will absolutely make a big impact on the communities that we care about. And Dalton, sometimes when you care about a player too much, it becomes difficult to rank that player. For me, that's Corey Davis. I am infatuated with his skill set, his upside, his potential. I wrote about him in that All Upside Team article that I mentioned earlier, posted on Tuesday. Go take a look. But when I'm mock drafting, I'm realizing that maybe I don't want to take him where I have him ranked. I have him currently at wide receiver 23. But then, you know, I was making a decision between him and Chris Hogan, who I have ranked at wide receiver 34. So quite a bit of space between those two guys. And I'm wondering if I'm too low on Hogan and perhaps too high on Corey Davis. You know, I think the thing about Davis really is his health. And had he not had that scare in training camp, now he just stretched, he's apparently totally fine. Maybe I would feel more confident, or if Richard Matthews would show up a little bit, I'd have a better idea of what he could do on this squad, because I absolutely believe in what La- Matt LaFleur, the new offensive coordinator, can do with this offense. But I, I don't know, Dalton, what about you? What about these two guys? I mean, is it like a foregone conclusion that Chris Hogan should be 10 spots lower than Corey Davis? I have him relatively close. I have Hogan 26th and Corey Davis 29th. Uh, They've been close uh, for about the past month, right around within five spots for each other. Hogan last year was top 10 in PPR before his injury. Obviously wanted to be tied to that Patriots offense. Uh, Edelman suspended four games, lost Brandon Cooks. I still think Gronk just just care more about keeping him healthy for the postseason. So terrific situation for Hogan. Corey Davis, obviously he does have more upside. Second year in the league, uh, could be just super, super talented not reliant upon a situation like Hogan is. But we haven't seen it before from him, already sitting out practices. So to me, I have him slightly below Hogan. All right. Well, you know, you convinced me. I just moved Chris Hogan up to wide receiver 26. So the answer, and this is an important exercise, maybe you do this with some of your fantasy football buddies, you got to talk through it, right? You got to do these mock drafts because you're like, wow, I'm actually higher on Chris Hogan than I realized. So it wasn't about Corey Davis necessarily. It was much more about moving Chris Hogan higher. Who's a player that you're having trouble ranking and can I convince you to move that person either up or down? I I totally agree with you though that sometimes I find myself uh, at best changing my rankings in the line of fire, you know, in a draft. I'm like, you know what? Why do I have this guy ranked higher than the other when I really wouldn't do it myself? So I I do find that often the best to to re-rank myself. So for me and my guys, Larry Fitzgerald, He's 35 years old. What's he going to average? 10.2 yards per catch. I just don't. He's, I just know he's not going to end up any on my teams. 
but I have to rank him like top 15 wide receiver, right? I mean, just all the targets. There's just no one else there. It's boring. Uh, so I have him 16th now, and I'm guessing that's really low, or, or it's certainly not high compared to the rest of the industry. Where do you have him? I have him wide receiver 12, so that is lower than I have him. But I feel you. And you know what? Right where he's going, there's a lot of players that I'm sort of meh on. I mean, if I look at my rankings, I've got T.Y. Hilton, wide receiver 11, then Fitz, then Thielen, then Tyreek Hill, then Demarius Thomas. And those are all players that I feel like aren't necessarily foregone conclusions that they'll be wide receiver one producers. Yeah, I mean, it's probably dumb and certainly fits as a higher floor, but I have guys, uh, I have Cooper and Juju ranked right before him just because I, I know if it really came down to it, I would be drafting Amari Cooper or Juju Smith-Schuster over Fitzgerald because the likelihood of one of those two actually winning your league for you is far higher than Fitzgerald. I'm interested that you think Amari Cooper could win your league for you, especially in John Gruden's run-heavy scheme and with Jordy. I mean, are you buying that Jordy Nelson is looking like the 28-year-old version of himself and is going to pull all the defensive attention? No, Martavis Bryant's terrible. I'm not buying into Jordy Nelson. They may want to run, but I don't buy into that defense. I think they're going to be playing from behind quite a bit. I think they're going to move Cooper into the slot more. Maybe Mm. I just can't get that game out of my head whether it's against the Chiefs or whatever in prime time, but uh, I know that some efficiency numbers suggest that he, he really fell off the map last year, not just the, the usage was the problem his skill level as well I'm not talking about just the drops but it was very high you know his early years in his career and he's he's still young and I think just the situation there I could see Cooper going nuts I could also see him not even being a top 30 receiver he's certainly a far a far likelihood of, of a bust candidate than say Fitz no question about that I like his rebound potential the question is how much he'll be able to rebound within the constraints of that offense but you know nobody talked about the fact that Derek Carr mentioned Cooper was hurt for a lot of last season he was fighting through injury and we saw players young players like Devontae Adams struggle through injury and then the next season look like a totally different athlete and so I think Cooper has that potential but there's no way I'm I'm ranking him ahead of Larry Fitzgerald no because of the floor and the net. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald is just such a stud that that, but it's interesting actually, because now that I'm thinking of it, you know, you usually don't rank floor players as high, right? I feel like what we talked about with Corey Davis, like we tend to want to put our upside players a little bit higher because if we're believing in it, we then think that that potential will be filled. And this is not the case. Yeah, I'm probably crazy about Amari Cooper, and Larry Fitzgerald is a little too low at 16. That's why I'm admitting it. That's why I brought him up as my guy, a tough guy to rank, because I know he probably should have him 12 or around where you do. Maybe we should split the difference and put him right around 14 and ahead of my craziness of Cooper. But I'm telling you, Cooper or Juju, those guys do have higher ceilings than a guy like Fitz. So, But I'm admitting it. That's why he's my tough guy to rank. I love it. I love it. And see, it is important to work through these issues. Conversation helps. And we hope you all enjoyed our conversation. We will be back next week. In the meantime, go sign up for the game. I mean, that's what we're working towards, right? Go to yahoo.com slash fantasy football and get your draft on. And if it's too early for you for that, then go get your mock draft on so you can start having these positional debates with us. Also, if you like the show, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. We'd appreciate a nice review while you're in there and at it. And finally, last step, if you feel so inclined, be sure to follow at Yahoo Fantasy on Twitter. Spread the word on social media about the podcast. 
I am Liz Loza. You can follow me at Liz Loza underscore FF. And Dalton, let's take us out. Follow me at Dalton Veldon. Thanks, Liz. It's a lot of fun talking football with you. All right. Win big, guys. We'll be back next week. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.